So this is way easier said than done and really, really hard to hear. But when it comes to money relations with family, especially given family members money at your own expense and detriment, there comes a time where you just have to say no. And more specifically, you might have to say something like, no, sorry, I ain't got it like that, okay? To protect yourself, your sanctity, and your peace. But what do I know? Currency, like let's say Canadian dollars, if you make $2,000, they deem, oh, I can make, if 2000 is so-and-so in Taka, which is a Bangladesh currency, yeah. or Naira, um, if I made that same in Naira value, let's say, oh, I could stretch the heck out of it in Naira. Right. Of course you can, because you're spending yeah. it in Naira. But the thing is, we're making in dollars, we're spending mm-hmm. it in dollars, okay? And when you're spending in dollars, quick. there's not even Naira left, or Taka left, nothing. or CDs left. Uh, go back home, but that's why you end up sacrificing some of your basic mm-hmm. necessities. This is But What Do I Know podcast with Chit Suzanne, a space for affirming, for learning, and for healing. A podcast and community where we're exploring our But What Do I Know moments in hopes that it helps you, the listener, overcome yours. You ready? Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Bawaduano podcast. I'm your host, Chit Suzanne, and I just want to welcome you all to yet another episode. Whew. Wow, y'all. When I tell you that, I am just counting down to the holidays because I feel this week, I feel really, I feel drained. Um, if I'm being honest, I feel mentally exhausted, I think is the right term. Um, and I just think I'm really exerting a lot of a lot of myself and I'm just doing a lot of thinking, a lot of planning, a lot of doing, and I just need to be. So I'm going to practice what I talk about a lot on this podcast and definitely incorporate aspects of rest. But it's just hard when it's that final push and every, all powers, all forces are just trying to push until push, push, push before we get that break uh, during the holidays. But um, I'm doing my best to, to include rest and I hope you all are as well as we kind of, you know, all collectively push towards the holidays when we're all going to be, you know, hopefully getting some some rest. But um, yeah, that's how I'm feeling. I hope you all are doing better than me. I hope you, you know, you're having a good week and um, that you are prioritizing your wellness and that, you know, you are actually, you know, looking forward to the holidays. You're counting down just like I am. Um, but yeah, I hope that you're all doing well, of course. If this is your, you know, your first time stumbling upon this podcast, um, welcome. This is our corner of the internet where we are having conversations that, you know, affirm our path to life lessons and also support our healing. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, please make sure that you, you know, are rating us, you know, five stars on Apple Podcast or Spotify. This just helps us, you know, let the algorithms know that people are listening, people are enjoying what they listen to and continues to sort of, you know, recommend us to other potential listeners. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Um, I also just want to say that I just realized not too long ago that Apple Podcast does the ratings and reviews by region. So because I'm in Canada, I see all the Canadian reviews and ratings when I go on to Apple Podcast, but I have to take an extra step by logging into, you know, uh, my Apple Podcast for creators account to see all the other countries. And I just want to say, Listeners in the US, you are all killing it. Like you're killing it. I saw the reviews and the ratings. I'm going to share some in a final two episodes before we sort of end of the year. But y'all are killing it. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for for the ratings and for the reviews. It is so, so, so appreciated because um this has been a labor of love that I'm trying to find ways to sustain and your ratings and reviews just really help to continue to allow us to grow. Listeners in Canada, y'all are doing it too. Appreciate you all, but wow, I was just really blown away by the comments and the reviews coming from the US listeners. So I just wanted to just share and say, I see it. Thank you so much. Please keep rating and reviewing. Um, it is very, very, very much appreciated. Um, in addition to that, of course, if you want to keep up with the podcast, you want to see behind the scenes, IG takeovers from our guests, 
IG lives that we'll do, reels, all that good stuff. It's all on the podcast page on Instagram. So at BWDIK podcast, go follow. Be also really good to be plugged into our Instagram page while we're on our season break, because that way you can literally follow the journey. You can see what we got going on. You can see when we're starting to record our episodes and you're going to be some interesting type of content that'll be coming this time around. So you will be able to see all of that. So make sure that you're plugged in on our Instagram page as well. And finally, our YouTube page, we do have our main segment conversations. Some of our main segment conversations are on our YouTube page. So definitely go check that out if you're more you know, of a visual person and you're enjoying what you hear and you want to go check it out to see what myself and our guests look like, definitely go check it out. The link is in this episode uh, description, but you can also just search up But What Do I Know podcast into YouTube as well. All right, that's everything. Let's go ahead and get into our clue and segment for this episode. All right. So this week, y'all, I have just a few items that I want y'all to clue into. And then we're going to go ahead and get into our main segment conversation. So firstly, we're going to start off with some thoughts on what I'm seeing in general and pop culture news lately related to trigger warning. I I will be talking about abuse in general. I'm not going to give details or anything, but I'm going to talk about it generally. So if you would like to, you know, go ahead and skip this part, you can skip maybe like two, three minutes ahead. But um, I just generally want to offer some thoughts to, you know, what I'm seeing in the music, especially with pop culture news, especially what the news that we're, we're seeing coming out of the entertainment industry. And um, I don't care to necessarily go into the he said, she said, oh, is it true? Oh, is it not? No, no, no. Uh, there are a lot of other podcasts that will have those discussions um, and that will speculate on on those things. But I think what I want to talk about is just that it's deeply concerning to me, just the amount of news that we're seeing around this, like in the last two, three weeks, it's just been different types of, of abuse. And yeah, these the images are stark. The texts that I'm reading in court filings are horrific. It's really scary and it's really concerning. And I say that to say, you know, I know that most of the listeners of this podcast are women. And I just want to say that I just want to urge you to please, please take care of yourself. And I'm not even saying that in like, oh, take care of yourself, self-care. No, like, please, please take care of yourself. And as I say this to you, I'm saying this to myself as well. Like, please, if you have gone through this or you are going through this and you feel like, you know, you are alone, I know that fear and shame are two big factors that hinder people from sharing or talking about this, please, I urge you to just, you know, talk to a friend that you trust, talk to someone, talk to a family member that you trust, talk to a sibling or a friend or professional. But um, please, please, please just share if this is something, especially if this is something that you're currently going through, I just urge you to please, please, please speak to someone about it and seek out resources to help you get out of those abusive situations to to get the help that you need to, to work towards healing and to be more at peace. Um, and so I know that I'm in Canada. I have pulled together some resources um, that can help people in Canada, especially in the GTA and in some parts of the U.S. Um, I'm going to try to get some for West Africa as well and just kind of compile a little bit of a list in the episode description. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to just say, please, please, ladies, let's um, let's really just be intentional about also making space for each other to be able to talk about these things in our friendships because sometimes we look at these situations when they come out in pop culture and we wonder like oh my god like where were her friends where were this where was that but I think we really do have to just be intentional to make sure that we're really caring for the safety of our friends and and those that are in our circles so make sure that you know as we're clink clinging the mimosas at brunch we're also checking in on a lot of the deep unseen stuff that our friends might be going through okay so I just want to offer that because y'all it is really disturbing, to say the least. What I'm reading, what I'm seeing is it's very disturbing. And um, yeah, I just want to sort of just offer that. All right. So whew, on to some lighter things. Let's go ahead and get into TV. Um, there's a new series that I'm just starting to get into and I'm really enjoying it. I didn't think I would, but I'm really actually enjoying it. And that is Black Cake. So Black Cake season one is out. They're on episode six, but I'm on episode two. Um, and it's the TV series adaptation of the book by Charmaine Wilkerson. 
And um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it. It's about a woman named Eleanor who loses her battle to cancer. So she passes away and then she sort of, you know, leaves information in a cryptic manner for her children to, you know, seek out and to find and they discover family secrets and things that she sort of kept in the dark all these years. And um, yeah, so far I'm really enjoying it. I typically don't like series where it's sort of narrated by a character and they've either, you know, passed away or it's a lot of flashback between the present and the past. Like I typically don't enjoy those, but for some reason with the series, it's done really well and I'm really enjoying it. So I'll go ahead and recommend that as well. Um, I think it's packaged well. The drama is there. The characters are doing what they need to do. Um, you know, I have heard some constructive feedback on the the authenticity or or lack thereof of the of the Jamaican accents and the different Caribbean accents and and, and twang in the show. And I do understand and I hear that and I, I agree with that to a certain extent. But I think overall the show is um it's packaged well, the drama's there, and I haven't read Black Cake, so this is sort of encouraging me to read it so that I can kind of compare and see where things changed, where things stayed the same. So I might just do that. But um, yeah, if y'all looking for something to watch this week, definitely go ahead and check out season one of Black Cake. All right. And this week, I don't have a song of the week for us this week. I'm looking for, for new music and I'm doing my sifting, but I do have an album of the week. I've talked about it on this podcast before. This is one that came out in 2020. And I just think that it was just such an incredible album when it came out. And, you know, I didn't forget about it, but because we were in the pandemic, he didn't get to tour with this album. And so I feel like I didn't bask in all of its glory, for lack of a better word. And recently I've revisited this album and I'm like, wow, this is a good ass project. And that is WizKids Made in Lagos. Like that project to me is just up there when it comes to Afro beats and Afro fusion, all that type of music. It just Wiz, you did your thing with that. Every song just is a vibe, okay? The features were done correctly and I'm just revisiting that and it is just doing what it needs to do to uplift me these days. So if you are, you know, looking for some music to get into, you know, I encourage you, go revisit WizKids Made in Lagos album. It came out three years ago, but it is, wow, it's a really good album. Definitely go ahead and check that out this week. All right, so that is everything for our clue and segment for this episode. We're going to go ahead and get into our main segment. On this main segment, we're wrapping up our conversations related to, you know, Financial Literacy Month, this month of November. And um, I was excited to have our guest because her story is very personal. She shares, you know, sort of her journey of setting boundaries and being firm when it comes to money. So let's just go ahead and, and get into it. Listeners, for our main segment conversation for this episode, we are continuing our financially related conversations for Financial Literacy Month. It's kind of been, you know, a little bit of a tradition where we have these conversations every November. But this year, we're kind of taking a step back from the this is how you save. This is how you invest. This is like the hard sort of stats and numbers to talking more about the stories behind why you should do things, the mindset and so on. And so I'm really excited for our guests to sort of wrap up our conversations this month. Listeners with me today, I have Adiba Ahmed. Um, I'm so excited. She is doing a lot of things, y'all. She's been on Toronto Star. I saw the article girl and I was like, ooh, okay, I need to have her on. So Thank Adiba you. is a financial advisor and educator. She's the owner of Phoenix Consulting. And she's also a content creator, making a lot of financial related content. So Adiba, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you, girl. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here with your amazing listeners. Yeah, girl, I've been, you know, we've been kind of going back and forth, become like internet friends. So I'm excited for listeners to hear more about your work and what you do. So, you know, let's get into it. What made you like, how did you end up becoming a financial advisor? How did you end up in the financial like finance industry? Yeah, um, honestly, I never intended to get into the financial industry. Like I've always loved math and stuff like that. But I always deemed the financial world as that person in front of a desk. Um, almost, I actually had a beige image, like a person who's in this cubicle, a beige cubicle with this white back 
ended, even though now laptops are cute, but like back ended computers um, and just sitting there and just like looking at numbers all day, almost like an accountant. That's usually what accountants actually do. Um, but I also saw, I thought finance was the same way. So I just never really wanted to pursue that. I wanted to pursue more something with people because I like marketing and being creative and things like that. So when I was going to school, um, I was already going for commerce, wanting to specialize in some sort of marketing uh, or even operation, something along those lines. But then came opportunity of like an internship kind of set up uh, with my friend's dad at the time. And he was in the financial industry. Um, and I was like, okay, why not? Because you know, when you're in uni, you're like trying to rack up your resume, you're trying to make it look gorgeous, right? Um, so I was like, okay, this could be like, great, because I was only in, like second year of uni. And once I uh, got into the opportunity with his dad, like all the interviews and stuff like that, I noticed that, oh, this is very different dynamic. You're actually educating people, you're hosting like workshops and all these fun stuff. And you're actually telling people knowledge, information. I always like teaching because when I was like my first, first ever, I wouldn't say it's legit because I was like 11, 12 years old, I was a tutor um, because in our community, sometimes like when you have a skill, they make you like a tutor uh, because you're the smart kid, go teach this auntie's child. Right. So um, I always like teaching because of having that experience. So I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Bringing back my past experience of teaching and talking to people, which I love. Um, and that's when I really thought, OK, you know what? Because there is a whole entire world here that I could get into. Let me switch my specialization in university. So I went from marketing to specializing in finance because I thought that would actually help me in my career path. It didn't, um, <laughs> which we might go into later you know, the education system, but, um, that's how I actually became an advisor. It was kind of, it wasn't really something I seeked. It almost came. I'm an opportunist when I see something that makes sense. And I've been a serious person since a youngin, uh, as a first daughter immigrant, um, I just took it on and ran with it. No, when you said I've been a serious person since a youngin, <laughs> I relate because yeah, also being the first, first daughter, oldest of an immigrant immigrant household it's like yeah you have to be on top of your game mm -hmm. you are constantly strategizing you're constantly trying to figure out ways to make money and make moves so i definitely see i see that when we when we yeah. chat like that's it's how like, you know it's like we didn't choose the hustle life the hustle life chose us girl like, yeah without Ex any consent exactly so. exactly exactly <laughs> So, um, you know, but no, I appreciate you kind of sharing your story and your journey with us as to how you sort of like, you know, you ended up in this industry and stuff. So part of this, this podcast and platform is, you know, I want the guests to kind of share their, their moments of like, you know, fear and hesitation and doubt. And if you were ever kind of like, yo, but what do I know about making money or what do I know about financial strategy? Like I'm trying to figure it out, you know, let alone now educate and teach other people. So did you have any of those moments and how did you kind of like, overcome that yeah that's a great question um because sometimes in the financial industry some people might say oh you're teaching people about money but are you good at money yourself which mm. i also correlate to like there's a lot of doctors out there there's a lot of professional people out there might not be the healthiest like a doctor but still teaching because facts are just facts you can't really compete with that and finance works a lot that way too i might have not experienced um like close to bankruptcy but i can still help someone uh, who's experienced close to bankruptcy but because i had that kind of mentality when i was uh when i first started i never thought that oh because i still have some debts which i did because i was going to school and um obviously there's some like things i took on for my family that affected me financially especially when i started out so 100 percent. sometimes i was like oh am i being a fraudster but then i'm like no because numbers make sense like if i can prove it with numbers um, no, nothing can compete because one thing about finance, when it comes to numbers, it's very black and white. What you do for your personal finance could be very gray area, but what it comes to just the number aspects, like interest and all those things, it's just a game of numbers, to be honest, you know, badness, that's it. And then <laughs> you're able to go for it. But definitely there were some fears, but I guess the confidence came in knowing the numbers make sense. Um, and there's nothing to compete against. I'm very, like, I'm very, it's not to like gloat. I was very confident in the way I can present numbers. And I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, 
Nah, girl, brag. If you know that you got the numbers, you know the numbers, you're set. No, I agree with that. I uh, 100% agree with that. And I feel like when you're, what sometimes we're kind of made to be like, like when you said, am I a fraudster? Like sometimes it's like, you know, we're made to feel small in certain rooms that you might enter and everyone is, you know, dressed nice, wearing a suit. And you're like, oh, wow, I'm in a room with all the big people. But it's like, if you know your numbers, you know your stuff, then you're meant to be in that room, you know? So. Thank you for sharing that. But I am going to get into, you know, your kind of money mindset and your understanding, because I think a big part of understanding our like present financial situations or where we come from financially is by understanding like our childhood, our understanding of money as we were growing up, what we were, what, yeah, what we were taught, how we thought about money, all that kind of stuff. So um, what were some sort of like, what was your understanding of money growing up? Like, what did you think? of money what was your relationship with money like uh growing up i saw money as the center point of my parents fighting mm. all the time mm-hmm. um because that was probably the biggest reason my parents my parents were separated in high school towards the end of high school ish but before that i was like y'all should have done this earlier because <laughs> because they were fighting all the time about money they, like they didn't speak the same money language mm-hmm. um and then that correlated for me to think that, wow, money can create a lot of problems in between people. So um, I didn't have the best relationship seeing money in the family. And also, I also always saw like whenever we like had money, it would just run out. Like I had this like almost not like I would say, yeah, scarcity mindset towards it, um, especially just seeing that sometimes money just comes into our household and just leaves because just nobody knows how to keep money in our house. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that definitely trickled down into my habits in the later on in my life, obviously changed now. Um, but it definitely affect a lot. So were there like specific experiences you went through or specific scenarios that like confirmed these things that you kind of were taught growing up? Like was there a particular scenario that you can look back and be like, yeah, that is what made me think that money was this way. Yeah, like when we first even immigrated to Canada, we, um, my parents, I was, cause we came from the Middle East, mm-hmm. um, and well, well, Qatar to be specific. And my dad actually came with a good wad of cash for that time. I would say, mm-hmm. I think, well, he tells me he came with around like 50 grand. Mm-hmm. And this was like in 2006. So right. it was actually pretty good. Comp- mm-hmm. Like at that's that a good time. money. Yep. Yep. You know, um, but, you know, what hit us as well, Canada's not cheap. You know, a lot of immigrants come here and they don't realize that, wow, even today. So imagine 2006, like, today's even worse mm-hmm. off. Um, Canada's not cheap. And then your your partner's not speaking the same money language or or the same vision for your family. Because, you know, in, our, mm-hmm. in my culture, there's like arranged marriage. So you don't even know their money language. Um, so right. when we, in a year and a half after coming, like we thought we were doing well, but I didn't know. We went from like a house uh, that they were renting to an apartment. So I slowly started seeing the trickle of, okay, I think we're running out of money. And uh, that felt like a big hit that we were doing fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had this different lifestyle in Qatar and now we don't have that. And then a year and a half coming into Canada, was it a year and a half? Yes, a year and a half coming to Canada, December 2007. Um my mom got hit by a car. So now that incurred a huge hit in the income in our family as well, because my mom's not working anymore. She was that immigrant mom waking up 5am in the morning, going to work at a a factory. Both of my parents have masters, but you know, yeah, just uh, happens as immigrants. (laughs) Canada don't care. Mm -hmm. Canada don't care what kind of profession you have uh, back home. So like just seeing that level and then just seeing that drop was a big hit um, because now she can't work. And since from then to now, she's never been able to work. She's been mm-hmm. on permanent disability. We actually got $127,000 wow. in 2006. So look at this, like immigrant family. We could have had a house at that time. We could have done a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. A year and a half later, all that money was gone, girl. Damn. Um, because... My mom never experienced that much money. So she, right. she actually spent a lot on us and we're young. I'm like nine, 10 years old. What am I going to tell her? Go buy a house. I don't know about houses at that time. I like clothes and shoes and stuff like that. Right. So obviously right. I was like a happy kid. My sister was a happy kid. 
Um, and then it was just gone. I saw my mom starting to struggle and fight with my dad again. So that like created right, bad pattern. imagery of money. And my, and I was in the mediation room when they said they're going to give 127. Mind you, 127 is not a lot for the stuff people go through in accidents in Canada mm-hmm. um, for their long living. But that was out of our hand. Then another event happened where uh, my sister had gotten an insurance money as well because she got hit by a car. Uh, at the corner, I know, I don't know what's up with cars in my family, but we pray. Um, we up. Yep. Yeah. And like, thank God hers wasn't like too serious. Thank okay. God. But there was a payout at that time as well. I think it was like 40 or 45 grand. Okay. And she's young getting that much. And because my parents didn't know at that time, like I was young too. So nobody really knew that got mu- the spent really stupidly on like a wow. car that's not even there in the family anymore. Like, okay. continue. It's not like, you know, sometimes people say, oh, I don't have money in my life coming in. No, no, no. We had money in our life coming in, but it mm. would just slip out of the hand. And that put a lot of pressures onto like me and my sister to start working really young. Right. Um, because by the time we're in high school, even though money came into our family, it never stayed because of bad financial decisions and lack of financial literacy. And also trusting the wrong people. Sometimes your own community members be doing you wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a whole com- conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so the those events really like struck a chord. So mm-hmm. I never have this fear that money cannot be made. But then I used to have this fear. Will I be able to keep the money when right. I was like Because it would come. Younger. But then just as easy as it was coming, it was also going. Right. So did yeah. you carry this... Like past your childhood, you know, you're moving into adulthood now. Were you able to sort of change? I mean, of course you have because you're doing such amazing work now. But how were you able to change this like thinking around money as like, okay, money comes, but it goes like I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to lose money. Like, how were you able to sort of like change that mindset? Uh, it's an ongoing process. I've progressed mm. a lot. There could be, there's still sometimes like, you know, fallbacks here and there because only humans. Yeah, we're, we're um, I hear so, you. <laughs> you know, like even if I'm a financial professional, I have my vices too sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not as crazy as something like going zero down because the problem was in our family, we would end up zeroing down, like close to like zero, which was really scary, yeah. right? Because, you know, they always say that. Falling from, like, if you go up a little hill and fall, it's not a big issue. But if you go up, like, a little mountain and fall, mm-hmm. ooh, like That's drop a big is, drop. <laughs> yeah, so it's, like, um, because of those, like, bad feelings and always having to, like, like, I hustled because I had to. But you know, sometimes I had to, like, self-reflect. I'm, like, yeah, but if I just kept keeping my money properly and didn't spend, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I wouldn't. Um, have to go through exactly what my family went through. Right. So, so what were you are, like, spending your stuff. money on? Oh, me? When I was younger, I had to actually put money into my family. I had to start right. contributing into the household in high okay. school. So did my sister. So it's not just one person. I always say that because, you know, it's just not me. It was also my younger sister. We were both putting money into the household because my parents were separated. There was right. no income coming in. Right. Um, so at that time, I couldn't even keep a lot money. so right. i racked up debt so if i want to enjoy it with my friends i got a credit card and then obviously you know like even i was doing this when i was 19 20 i got a credit card you know i'm in university i'm yeah. gonna end up spending some kind of money yeah, outside and not go being out. mindful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> so i did that um because i still wanted to enjoy because i'm like oh well i can't be struggling all the time mm-hmm. but i didn't need to some things i didn't need to spend the uh, money on because when I started making more money if I had like a really good month because in the back of my head I would think oh um, maybe the money might never come again right before the money always goes so I would like spend it on experiences some I, I've gotten like broke when I was younger trying to spend on my family mm. like sometimes I have this guilt as an older daughter that I can't just experience things for myself like I can't just and I still have it sometimes. Like I, if I travel, sometimes I'm like, oh, but I want my mom to travel. She right, never experienced this. Right, I want my right. dad to travel. He never experienced this. Mm-hmm. Like if I just travel by myself, it never feels fulfilling. It's so bad, even to this day. Right. Um, like I feel like I need to give. Like right now, if you ask me, like I'm still, I'm like, oh, I want to plan, tr- uh, I want to book a trip for December. But I'm like, no, but I want to book my mom a trip first. Right. So she doesn't feel bad. And then I'll go on my trip after. Right. So like I've, all of it kind of like layers. 
Yeah. So I had to do, like, it was like a lot of sitting down, like, why did I F up? Yeah. Like, why, why am I broke again? Like I had to do those little conversations to myself mm-hmm. and look at patterns. Like I do a lot of solitude self-reflection. Like I go by myself in my head and I'm like, damn, why does keep happening to, you know, yeah. I think that's where it started to, I started to create more disciplines around that. Right. Discipline girl. <laughs> And then, you know, I, when you became like, what then encouraged you? Like, I know you had talked about the story um, earlier of how you actually got into the industry, but knowing that you had this background with your family, like in finance and stuff, did it encourage you to become a financial advisor? Or were you kind of scared and thinking like, you know, like you were going to be a f- fraudster, quote yeah. unquote, like you mentioned earlier? You know, it actually encouraged me because mm-hmm. I always care for people. Yeah. Um, like I always thought, okay, this information, I wish my parents had gotten this information right. early on. Right. Because if somebody has sat down and told them, okay, these are the resources available in Canada. These are some strategies, simple mm-hmm. strategies you can do. Um, I, I, I think our life would look a little bit different. different. Like the struggles mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have been there. And some of the scaling I did in my life could have been maybe earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I think about those things sometimes. Um, so it actually made me feel good that, okay, cause sometimes people would come to me as clients and I know they're so like naive, like right. they don't know anything. And I used to tell like some of my close friends, I'm like, you know what? I'm so thankful this person came to me because if this person didn't come to me as someone else, they could have totally taken advantage of this person. Yeah. Because some people blindly just yep. believe anything, which is like, I'm so grateful because I'm like, let me take care of you. You know, I will yeah. do my best. Mm-hmm. I'm not perfect. You know, I don't think any profession is perfect. I'm not perfect. I still have improvements to be made even to right. this day as a professional, which I'm always working on. Um, but, you know, I actually felt, I felt a um, heavier responsibility. Right. Mm-hmm. I can't make anybody else feel like yeah, there's like no one to take through. care of them or give right. them resources. So it made mm-hmm. me feel really serious about the process. That's good. So me and you have talked about this aspect a little bit off mic and I'm kind of excited to get into it because, you know, you're one thing. Firstly, I appreciate you getting deep with us. I appreciate you, you know, sharing about your family story and the path and just, you know, all that it's kind of taken for you to get where you are. So I really appreciate you being transparent, girl, like for real, for real. Um, and, you know, we've also talked a little bit about just immigrant tax and on the black community, we call it like black tax. And just the additional layer that being an immigrant, you kind of have to go through and it can also hinder your financial situation, too. So that's the idea of like, you know, we're here. You come here, you start earning in dollars and your family back home for me, Nigeria, you know, for you, the Middle East or Southeast Asia. And it's like, OK, you have to be sending money back home either monthly or every Christmas or every Eid or every holiday. Like you have to be sending money back home at the expense of your own financial situation here. So, you know, I'm just wondering if you have any, you know, like personal um, connections to this particular issue and then just, you know, in general, how this can impact an individual's like finances from what you've seen working with clients, too. Wow. By the way, I'm happy to share all the transparent stories. I've actually not done it in other places. But like I said before, your podcast is so beautiful and the way you Mm -hmm. talk to everyone, I think it's just a great place to share all the deeper stories that I've actually never even shared with my audience. But talking about, um, you know, it's a heavy topic. So Mm -hmm. um, some people are feel indebted to their immediate family. And then some people are indebted to their immediate family and exterior. Like I know a lot of the Filipino community are very extended family, the Nigerian community, the West African communities, Mm -hmm. even my community. For me, it was big in my immediate family. I would say, I, luckily, I didn't have to think about family back home right. um, on a daily basis. If it was a really emergency, yes, I actually had to. But it's not. it was not something in the forefront of my head. Like, oh, every income I make, I have to put aside something for remittance and right. stuff like that, right? Um, but it was with family. And regardless of your immediate family or extended plus immediate, it is. it can be a mental toll, like a burden because you end up putting everyone but yourself first like you will do things at the cost of your own health like i like when i started like uh the whole hustle into Mm -hmm. having a business like i started having some sort of a side hustle since like middle school so tutoring 
Then in high school, I did um, like makeup artistry, henna, and stuff like that. Like I was always hustling, doing something to make money um, in university. And then it's just that sometimes I would hustle at the cost of my own mental health, Mm -hmm. physical health, because instead of taking time to like go exercise, I'm like, no, let me go talk to this client that wants this service. Instead yeah. of putting my house first and maybe booking it later, but mm-hmm. I will just book everything in one day. So that happens to a lot of people. They will, and I have a lot of clients in the same situation as I did, um, where they will not even, I've had clients who will not even buy themselves food sometimes oh, wow. properly. Because like, they want to, they are prioritizing giving it to family. Yes. Okay. And it makes you almost cry, like mm-hmm. so emotional, like, oh my God, like w- nobody should have the burden. Mm-hmm. And some families are, kind mm-hmm. and they try to understand but there's actually a huge group of families that don't understand because back home people think you're you live you have money tree at every corner of your house yeah you know once like, you yes, come you know, abroad paper comes from trees, money but yep. <laughs> canadian mint is not accessible to all of us exactly. you know so um it's really uh, it can be difficult and also with uh back home people they deem currency like let's say canadian dollars if you make two thousand dollars they deem oh I can make if two thousand is so and so in Taka, which is a Bangladesh currency, or Naira. Yeah. Um, if I made that same in Naira value, let's say, oh, I could stretch the heck out of it in Naira. Of course you can because right. you're spending it in Naira. But the yeah. thing is, we're making it in dollars. We're spending it in dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when you're spending it in dollars, there's not even quick. Naira left or Taka left or CDs left. Nothing. To- and go back home but that's why you end up sacrificing some of your basic necessities mm-hmm. like some people um will literally live somewhere that they don't even like they hate because they are trying to send money back home this happens huge in south asian communities sometimes people like look down upon those uh, guys do it the most like the indian guys who like five six of them will stay in the same room you know in mattresses yeah. some people look down upon i get it but they don't understand the motive behind it. Yeah. The motive is I'm trying to support because a lot of these uh, parents took loans back home mm-hmm. to pay for the education. Yeah. In, uh, like not every international student is well off mm-hmm. back home, right? Um, diff- every country, even I've had Chinese exchange uh, students I've talked to and their parents are farmers and they took loan from the government to send here. So now obviously the kids now feel indebted that, oh shoot. So they will like sacrifice years, like years, not even months, years of their life trying to pay back their parents' yeah. loan because mm-hmm. back home, when you don't pay back a loan, yep. um, it's mm-hmm. not a credit score depreciation. It's humility. Yep. Like mm-hmm. humiliation, sorry. They they could do, and especially if it's in the farms, farmers, like it's disgusting what can happen. But it's just that pressure can really destroy people's well-being. Mm-hmm. In my sense, I had a lot of like burnout. Um, yeah i bet because i was like like sometimes i would have like periods where i would just like cry to myself mm-hmm. because i'm like holy f like sometimes you try so hard but then money just runs out because you're helping your family yeah um, yeah and, and then it can affect your uh self-perception socially mm-hmm. because people see you as this really um well-doing person like oh you're doing so well for yourself but then you're not even doing that well because you're supporting you're so many people and then the thing too is like the more that you also give to them the more that they expect and the less that you're able to take care of yourself because you have to keep giving and giving and sustaining it to the point where it kind of feels like, you know, conversation I've had with my parents, it's like it almost feels sometimes like you're buying the love because the moment you don't send, it's Ooh. like, oh, you forgot about us? You went abroad and forgot about your family? How could you do that? Da, 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 da. And it, it turns into a whole thing, right? So I feel like you've shared some stories from like your clients and thankfully it wasn't something that like was part of your story but what are some like tips that you can offer individuals who might be listening and being like adiba chid like that's me like i'm sending money back home right now i'm barely making enough i'm sending money home to my family they're expecting it because 
it's a lot like to barely be yeah. keeping up and then having to do that. It can really like hurt your financial situation. So, yeah. What would you say to them, girl? <laughs> yeah, I can say a lot because I had to go through that with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we're like besties now, but we clashed a lot of head because of this information, like not sending it. And the whole thing you said that they act like, right. like they almost switch up when yeah. you're not paying them. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, mom will even agree to this. She did that. And I wow. tell her something like, what you did, that was so wrong. Yeah. Because I, she used to insult me. Um, right. Like it wasn't there. Put down my business. Like, well, what kind of business if you can't give me money all the time? Like stuff like that. Yeah. She knows now that was really wrong. But yeah. that could traumatize a child who's working yeah. their ass off for mm-hmm. that person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But because in this life, we should not all be doing things just for that person or yep. any person outside of us. Because sometimes we talk about this whole concept and stuff. Don't, what is your why? And we mm. always end up saying something exterior to us. But the conversation that people like myself, I had to have and other people need to have if they're still going through that issue of like going beyond means to support their family is to first start saying no. Mm. It's so hard. Cause you're going to get a lot of lash out. But thing is like, you don't want to end up despising your family members yeah. in the future. Cause that's exactly what it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Or you end up like, if you want to have kids, like you despising your kids because they have a better life than you did. You know, like there's some internal projection that can happen as a parent who didn't express themselves when they were with their parents. Yeah, um, that's You real. know, there's like people need to stand up to their parents, like especially if you're an adult and you can financially support yourself that you can like move out. That brings me to the second point, move out. Mm. A lot of immigrant, not just daughters, like sons, they need to move out mm-hmm. because when you're under their roof, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't. You are their child. And because they're elder in our culture, elders are deemed as holy, mm-hmm. wise ha- people. But we know exactly. the humans, doesn't yep. matter what age you are, not everybody is there mentally, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you got to say, no, you got to move out. Um, and sometimes you have to not tell them how much you make because sometimes if you tell them exactly how much you make, so you know how we have lifestyle creep sometimes as we make more money, they're going to have desire creep. They're going (laughs) to end up having more desire that, Oh, you're making six figures now. Okay. So let me, let me, um, how much I'm asking for. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or they will do it very sneakily. They're like, oh, you know, I just need money for this. And I'm just talking about my own experience. Girl, no, same, like, same. <laughs> I just need money for, for some surgery. I need money for some, I'm sick. People, yeah. yeah, and yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? Like, and you ju- I just gave you this money this other time. Mm-hmm. Why do you mean you need it again? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's more than one person supporting that person. Anyway, so I'm like, well, this person's also giving you money. So, so why- where is the money going? Yes. Well, mm-hmm. that's... <laughs> don't be afraid to ask that question like i feel like a lot of immigrant kids like they're so afraid to question their parents you just need to do it once like Mm -hmm. i remember and when i was in uni there was this one therapy session i went to and the guy said adiba look up the word assertive and i used to always think i'm assertive um and when i realized he's like no you're not assertive to your mom you need to be assertive to your mom and in our culture, sometimes assertiveness to your parents is deemed as disrespectful, mm-hmm. but it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's just you are respecting yourself first. Yeah. Like sometimes the parents don't even respect the child, you know, you are allowed to demand respect from your parents, you know, maybe the parents don't want to hear this. If they hear this podcast, they'll be like, I don't agree. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> I don't agree, you know, yeah, I don't agree. They might disagree, and that's fine. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we should be okay with people disagreeing with us, and we have to, if I, we have to step on our loved one's toes sometimes. Yeah, it's okay. It's we're not stepping on their heads, we're just stepping on their toes. They'll right. be fine. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they'll be fine. Um, but it's just that first step. I know it's really hard, easier said to be done than done because I went through chaos of months. It's funny when you I say that, doing actually. That. So then, what was that conversation like? Because you said, so say no, uh, moving out if you can, and then, you know, being assertive is another one. What What did that conversation, like when you realize, okay, I have to be assertive, what did that conversation go like with your mom? As much as you want to share. It was not a conversation, my girl. <laughs> it, was not, it was a fight. Okay. <laughs> it yeah, was not I a bet. conversation. It was a full-blown, it was multiple fights. 
Right. multiple and i know that's what people fear yeah is the domino effect of the fight mm-hmm. but i'm so grateful that yeah. fought for myself and that's what i want people to do is fight for themselves because it's when you start fighting for yourself you feel less guilty on doing certain things for yourself because you create this rep mm-hmm. like it's just a muscle like we get so uh, used to pleasing our own family members yeah it becomes a muscle so the only way to replace that muscle is create new muscle mm. right um is just hit it right <sighs> like hard like yeah. where it hurts the most you gotta just do it and also understand that when you do it it might take months and unfortunately for some people it might take years for the family to understand yeah and for some family members they might not understand 100 percent at all Mm-hmm. which I know for sure there's a lot of parents with a lot of pride in mm-hmm. our cultures. Our parents have too much pride sometimes. Yeah. You know, yep. I'm sure mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, pride is a big thing. Yeah. Um, but once you set the boundary, I don't know what it does to the other person. Like e- even if they don't like it, they'll have to respect it. Yeah. It's because there is no other way. Like it's my way or no way at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no way to, I don't think there's a way to prepare for it either. You just gotta do it. Like that's fair. Not think about like think. Let's do more. That's yeah. my biggest thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, the more you think, you're not gonna do it, and you're gonna let your years and life go by, and you're gonna start hating yourself for not doing it. Yeah, that's true. That's real. So, do you think that let's say, you know, let's say you've tried like, you know, maybe you're you have the means to move out. You moved out, but you're still in communication with your family. You're still having to kind of send money. You're setting boundaries. People are kind of overstepping them. Obviously, this is not advice this is just a conversation that we're having but do you think or have you ever seen circumstances where people have to kind of like create distance between themselves and their family because it's just not feasible anymore do you mean distance as in like stop communicating yeah yeah sorry not physical distance but like stop communicating with them yeah um that's what i mean sometimes parents don't get over it Mm -hmm. um and they might act a little bit more standoffish yeah um and sometimes that comes with the whole thing like when i first encountered my mom an encounter my god (laughs) (laughs) like a war or something but honestly it is a war sometimes in our immigrant families okay (laughs) we're we're just battle yeah Yeah, it's a battlefield (laughs) right so um there will be there might be a period that you will lose a little bit of connection a warmth Mm -hmm. um yeah, and I say those words particularly because it feels cold yeah. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like really cold and isolated almost um, from the family. But just knowing you're doing it for yourself um, is a very big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just knowing that, okay, it's for your... Like for me, something that motivates me all the time is like, okay, well, I want to have a future family and I wouldn't want my kids to go through this. So you know what? Yeah. I have to stand up on my own because of my future generation. See, again, I'm thinking of other people future, but myself, but right. at least yeah, I should put it down about myself. Exactly. You know? Exactly. <laughs> no, so. that's real. That is so real. And I absolutely agree with that because I think that, you know, it's easy, like you mentioned, it's easier said than done, but they, these are conversations that need to be had because in order for us to even be in a situation where we can better help our family and to help them, we also need to get better. So it's like, yo, if you just actually give me the space to make some more yes. money, get better, I actually might be able to help, you know, give you a little bit more on an annual exactly. basis. You know? Because that, that's another thing you have to fight for. It's like, if you really love them, mm-hmm. so you know, as people say, you know, I love my parents, that's what I do. I'm like, but do you really? Because if you had more mental peace, mm-hmm. you would be do, be able to do more. So you know what? Sacrifice them not being happy for a little bit because mm-hmm. you know you're going to give them so much more and right you know sometimes they can't see the vision that you yeah, have and your vision is so vision. much greater mm-hmm. than that that they have uh for you actually because sometimes they think they have the greatest vision for ourselves i'm like no sometimes we have the greatest and the ultimate visions for ourselves and if you know at the end of the day it's going to help everybody mm-hmm. included in the picture including yourself mm-hmm. you got to do that because then the end is win-win. The means yeah. might not be win-win, but the end is win-win. Yeah, no, that's real. That's real. So I guess it is connected to what we've been talking about. And then I guess kind of bringing it to our current sort of financial situation. So right now, I feel like financial literacy is very 
is very sexy. It's very in. Everybody wants to be financially literate. Everybody wants to look like they have something going on, sort of business, sort of this, that, ventures, buying real estate. Like everyone wants to do it all, right? But at the same time, I feel like it kind of seems like we want to look like we have things together, but not necessarily have it together or have the information or the, the pieces of the puzzle and all that kind of stuff, right? And then also, not everyone has the same access to these conversations, to these sessions, right? So what would you say, like, how are some affordable ways that people can kind of begin to get their finances together? Like if they're listening, they're looking for information, it's like, okay, I want to maybe reduce my debt or I want to start saving a little bit or I'm ready to invest, but I can't necessarily like pay a financial advisor to sit down with me for an hour and like, tell me what to do. Like what right. are kind of some affordable ways to, to get into that? Um, the best way for anyone now, like if this was like 40 years ago, we can say we really have, have limitation to access to knowledge. Yeah. But in this day and age with the whole internet platform and with all That's these true. social medias, mm-hmm. I just feel there is so much access. I yeah. just feel like now people have to learn what to ask for. Because, right. you know, I think that's a big knowledge gap is what am I even looking for? You know, yeah. I always tell people, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to learn what to ask for. But there's always categories that people can start learning. If they want to know better about their debt management, like they want to get better with their debts or increase their credit score, they can literally Google it. Mm-hmm. You know what's so interesting? Some people are like, oh, I'm going to start a business because people are too lazy to Google it, which is true. People will pay people to just give, uh, information. give you information that's mm-hmm. honestly free and everywhere. So now the, for the person who can't afford to uh, reduce their time by paying someone right. uh, who's done the research is to now put in that time to do the research because yeah. it's everywhere. I would say start on YouTube, yeah. uh, go with the basics. There's beginner's information everywhere. Just go hit some people's videos and see mm-hmm. who resonates, whose explanation resonates with you. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes five people can say the same thing, but it's just maybe that one or two people relays it to you the way you understand. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So find that, find the platforms. TikTok is a plethora of information. Be open to seeing two sides of every information, you know, because um, there are as much as we're all in the financial industry, we're advisors or let's say professionals. I still have certain opinions on let's say certain uh, financial products and then some person else could have an opposing product but two people can be right at the same time Mm -hmm. uh, which is a very important thing to note and people need to go into the financial literacy world with that concept that there's a lot of gray area yes the numbers are black and white but there is actually a lot of gray area on what makes sense for your personal finance it is your journey research um there's a lot of books you can you know get pdfs form uh and they're free you know um, start there. You just literally, you could go anywhere with like top 10 finance books, uh, for beginners. You can, there's so many uh, videos that will come up explaining the book. There's even YouTube yeah. summaries of a lot of books that will save you so much time. But my thing is like, if you're going to research, you need to put a deadline on an execution. Mm, like, that's real. Yeah. There's a lot of knowledge, but people don't take the steps. The, sometimes you can have information like, like action paralysis, right? Yeah. Much info. Just be, if you're just looking for debt, don't go way, way into other stuff. Just like stay fixated on, let's say, debt management and then take one action. So if, if you learn, let's say, a snowball method for debt management, which is actually a method and you know what? You're like, okay, don't need to start fancy. Just get a little paper notebook and just start. Like you don't need those Excel sheets. You don't need a lot of that sometimes. Mm-hmm. You, you start messy, organize it later. I always right. say that to my clients. Like start messy organize it later but because you started you'll actually do it mm-hmm. you know that's real um, but yeah so give yourself deadlines I, like my dms are open a lot of people's dms are open like people mm-hmm. who are financial professionals just ask i know some people get afraid that a question is silly yeah but to be honest the financial world is created in a way for people not to understand because they have their own jargon Mm. You know, that's why the agreements are there. That's why we need lawyers is because there's jargons in every industry and it's only lawyers who can dissect it. So as a regular person who's not a lawyer, you're not, this is going to be foreign language in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. Mm -hmm. Ask a lot of questions. Even if the bank gives you 30 pages, ask them time to read those 30 pages. Please Mm -hmm. don't sign before you read everything because that is part of literacy because literacy gives you confidence to Mm -hmm. ask questions 
And if any anybody makes you feel stupid for asking a question, they're not good yeah, professionals. Exactly. You know, if they uh, if they're like cutting the and sometimes like some bank professionals do this, they're just trying to sell the product. If they try to cut and don't give you space and time to understand something, um, you gotta pivot and do something else. Mm-hmm. So it works with all of it. So research, start on the online platforms, ask professionals, and execute. Give yourself like a deadline. You need to do that. Yeah. I like that you said give yourself a deadline for execution because you're right. Because sometimes we'll like, we'll be like, I want to do this. And I, and then you go down and you're reading, you're reading, you're reading, you're reading. It's like, oh, when are you going to do it? It's like, oh. Uh. And, it, and sometimes exactly. it's fear. And sometimes it's fear that you don't know enough or whatever. But I think it's good to just, like you said, if you're going to focus on debt management, focus on debt. Read it. Watch the your your favorite specialized or expert creators who know what they're saying, and then go go and like you know execute it, you know. But yeah, hundred percent for sure. But yeah, no, thank you, Diba, honestly for all that you shared. Like, girl, this has been an amazing conversation. I feel like I can already kind of see the listeners listening to this and be like, damn, okay, my girl's been through it, but she's here and she's got it <laughs> and she's doing this. So I'm definitely so happy that you know we got to do this. Um, before I let you go, you know, girl, we're going to end off with um, our fun and light segments. I'm going to ask you four questions and then, be, you know, without thinking too hard, I just want to hear the first uh, answer that comes to mind. OK, got it. So um, what is your favorite genre of music? Mm. Uh, my favorite genre is my Afro Deep House music. Ooh, yes. Afro Which Deep is House a, is a South African, uh, not yeah, piano, not, but, but like even deeper than I'm a piano. Okay. Yeah. And they have like some beautiful, beautiful music. Yes. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Um, so are you where you thought you would be in life at this time? So I, in terms of numerically, Actually, no, because I told myself be a millionaire by 25. But <laughs> who I am as a yeah. person, yeah. I'm way better mm-hmm. than what I expected to be. Just like mentally yeah. and spiritually um, and just thought process wise that I'm really grateful for. And um, that is what will get you to becoming the millionaire. So, yeah, you, you, exactly. you, yeah, you got it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Um, OK, what is a must do or must have when you're traveling like what's something must. that you must do or that you must have when you're traveling yes my large luggage oh, yeah <laughs> like i can't do handbags it's really hard like no. i cannot be that person who's backpacking around the world girl i'm sorry I, yeah no not me either it. not me yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's real that's real and uh what is your favorite beauty item lipstick yeah yeah, yeah, you you rock your lipsticks and they look good. Like thanks, girl. Thanks, girl. Yeah. You can't never go wrong with a nice Slip. bright lip. Mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. That's great. Okay, well, Adiba, those are all the questions I have for you. Again, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. Like I'm excited for the listeners to get into this. Before I let you go, just go ahead and share your socials, how people can connect with you, work with you, all of that good stuff. 100%. First of all, thank you for having me. I love mm. what you're doing. I love how you're speaking to so many different industry people and just different life experience people i think that's you're bringing back the humanness to this whole monetized world girl say that again yep i'm trying (laughs) so that's why i was so and you have such a beautiful personality so i feel like it brings out the humanness in other people Mm -hmm. not everybody's called to do a podcast and i think you are um so trust me because everybody with the mic won't be a podcaster yeah i was like i want to start a podcast but i believe do what everybody gotta do but at least some people have certain callings and i think it's amazing so i was very grateful and honored to you know share the mics uh with you queen of podcasting so other than that people can find me on any platform at ceo adiba Mm -hmm. um i have like links for people to book uh like my first consult with people is usually free then i talk about my services later because if i can answer some questions that we don't really need to go into my services i just answer questions which also means my dms are open so if people have certain questions that are usually like more general i can Mm -hmm. answer if there's questions based on numbers that's a like i would direct them differently but yeah yeah, people can find me there or even want to email me you can email me at info at ceoadiba.com okay and i'll put all of that in our episode description so you know listeners if you want to connect with adiba directly you got some questions you can dm her email her and all that good stuff but adiba thank you so much again for being on the podcast i appreciate you 
Appreciate you. Thank you. So with that, we are at the end of this episode. Thank you all for, you know, sticking around and for listening to my conversation with Adiba on money relations with families, setting boundaries, saying no when you have to. Um, You know, this was such an important conversation because I feel like it's one that I've had with my family, my immediate family. And I know the toll that this takes on a lot of immigrants, a lot of my friends. We, We have these conversations, especially, especially in the black community. So please go ahead and, you know, share this conversation with someone you feel, you know, needs to hear this or can benefit from this conversation. Um, Of course, as always, rate and review on whatever platform it is that you are listening to. If you want to connect with us on the podcast on Instagram, it's at BWDIK podcast. If you want to connect directly with Adiba for, you know, more about her story or her work, all her information will be in the episode description. So you can go ahead and, you know, check that out and connect with her. But thank you again for listening. As always, you know, drink your water, mind your business, stay warm because it's starting to get cold out there, y'all. It's oof, it's getting real cold. <laughs> stay well and uh, y'all will hear from me real soon. Bye for now.